Now we're turning to God's Word tonight. We're turning to 2 Samuel. And we're going to read from chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 12. Let's hear the Word of God. 2 Samuel chapter 3 verse 12. Reading of course from the authorised version. Let's pray that God will use his word for his glory. Second Samuel chapter 3 verse 12. And Abner sent messengers to David in his behalf saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, well, I will make a league with thee, but one thing I require of thee, that is, thou shalt not see my face except thou first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife, Michal, which I espoused to me for an hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Phaltiel, the son of Laish. And her husband went with her along, weeping behind her, to Bahurim. Then said Abner unto him, Go return. And he returned. And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, Ye sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord hath spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spake in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went also to speak in the ears of David and Hebron all that seemed good to Israel, and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron, and twenty men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go, and will gather all Israel unto my lord the king that they may make a league with thee, and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious, infallible word. Now my text tonight is found in Second Samuel chapter 3, verse 18. And my theme this evening is simply entitled, Now Then Do It. And these words, of course, are taken from the first four words of 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 18. Now these words were part of an address uttered by a man called Abner to the elders of Israel concerning King David, God's chosen anointed king. At this time in the land of Israel, it faced a real crisis. It was a, a grave hour. 
Abner, the captain of Saul's army, was embarked on a campaign to persuade the elders of Israel to choose Ishbosheth, Saul's son, as their next king. See, King Saul was dead. He died by his own hand in the fields of Geboah. The children of Israel needed a king to rule over them. Sadly, two candidates had emerged, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and David of the house of Jesse. And in light of these two candidates, a civil war erupted. Now, this civil war was tearing the land apart. This was a terrible time of uncertainty. The war was long, lasted seven years, and the war was brutal. Much bloodshed had been spilled. Death and destruction ensued. And as this civil war continued with Abner to the fore, promoting Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, as the rightful heir to the throne, in fact, Abner almost succeeded in this goal. For he had almost successfully persuaded the majority of the tribes to reject David and recognize Ishbosheth as the heir apparent. For a time, several months, Ishbosheth did sit on the throne. So I want you to think tonight of two camps, two tribes, camp of Ishbosheth, the camp of David, two armies, one for Ishbosheth and the other for David, two commanders in chief, Abner, the general in chief for the house of Saul, and Joab standing for the house of David. Now, towards the end of the civil war, Abner made a grim discovery. And it was this, that the house of Saul was waxing weaker and weaker, while the house of David was growing stronger and stronger. And in his heart and mind, he knew that this civil war was tragic for the country. For a long time, he refused to recognize David as the rightful king. He refused to accept the will of God. He refused to accept that David was the man of God's own choosing. And for a long time, he promoted Ishbosheth. Then amazingly, in the providence of God, he had a complete change of heart. He realized the folly of his ways. He understood that the rebellion was wrong. He became enlightened to the fact that this uh, blood-stained civil war was breaking up the country. It was dividing families, dividing individuals who had been friends for years. It was dividing whole communities. It was destroying livelihoods. People had lost their finances and their farms and their freedom and even their faith. Look at verse 12. According to this verse, it says, And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee, to bring about all Israel unto thee. Abner opened up a channel of communication with the house of David. He offered to make a league with David, stating clearly, Make a league with me, and my hand will be with thee to bring all Israel to thee. You see, he was thinking what? Of making and accepting David as the rightful lord and ruler and king of the country. His intention was to crown David as king, not only individually, but collectively. So in chapter 3, verse 17, he has had further communication with the elders of Israel. And this is what he said to them. Ye sought for David in times past 
to be king over you. And here's his advice, his exhortation. Now then do it. Why? Look with me at verse 18. For the Lord have spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of their enemies. He realized that the crown David, the rightful king, is in accordance with the mind and will and eternal purpose of God. And these words, therefore, form part of the wisest thing that Abner ever uttered. Here's one of his wise sayings. Now then do it. You see, this was a saying that needed to be heard. But this was a saying that needed to be received and obeyed. Abner saying to the elders of Israel, it was your intention in the past to crown David king. So he's urging them this. Now then do it. I would suggest tonight, let's not dismiss the importance of these words. These words are wise and timely. In fact, the whole future of the country rested upon these words being heard and received and obeyed. You see, obedience regarding these words would usher in an end to the bitterness, to the bloodshed. And it would bring in its wake a period of peace and prosperity and provision and protection for the land. Now maybe you're thinking, where's he going with this? You see those first four words, now then do it. I want to lift them up tonight. And I want to apply them this evening in a spiritual sense. Because even though I've preached this in the past in Scotland, and Sammy was with me on that occasion, I discovered that there's a fourfold message that's rich and varied here for a wider audience. You see these words, now then do it. There's a message to every sinful soul. You see, I could address these words, now then do it, to the unsaved and unregenerate tonight. Those who know that they're a sinner, who've got a soul to be saved who need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who are conscious that they've broken God's law and living in rebellion to him. And they have heard that call many times to repent and and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And I've thought about that. And at times they've been on the very verge of trusting Christ, but for some reason they, they have put it off. For some reason they've pulled back. And they've brought forth their reasoning and their many excuses. But now, once again, the mercy and grace of God has stirred your soul. Now, once more, you feel the striving of the Spirit of God. You're you're now thinking about the Savior. You're, You're convinced, I must get saved. I must needs come to Christ. And you're thinking about that, not only in the past, long and hard, but you're thinking about it now tonight. Well, I've got a word of advice for you. I have a message from the Lord for you, and it's this. Now then, do it. See, the Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 and 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Again, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, Wherefore the Holy Spirit saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. See, Don't be like Felix and think of a more 
convenient time. You know, as well as the heads in your body, that you're a sinner and you've got a soul and you need to be saved. And you know that in times past you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. You know who he is. He's God incarnate. He's God's only begotten son. He's the one who was born for sinners. The one who um, made us in his own image. The one who lived a sinless life on our behalf. The one who died an atoning death in the tree. The one who rose again bodily from the dead. How many in Northern Ireland know that about Christ? They could say, well, I know about him theoretically. I even know about him intellectually. If you ask people in the street, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only Savior of sinners? I think the vast majority, even young people in Northern Ireland, would say that they have. But it's one thing to know him theoretically and intellectually, and there's a vast difference in knowing him in an intimate, personal, experimental way. Knowing him in such a way that you've actually trusted him. See, as I've said, it's one thing to know about him. All the aspects of his person and work. The things that are being said. The propositions that are true. But it's quite a different thing to actually trust him as Lord and Savior. To, to trust him as the Lord and King and ruler and redeemer of your life. Doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah 45 and verse 22, Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. Look unto me. That's what the Savior is saying tonight. Do it now. Look, look unto me now. Timothy heard the advice from Paul, and this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. There's a very sad story told by one of our ministers about a man who had cancer. He was exhorted many times to be saved. He heard the gospel in the house of God. But he sat having heard the gospel, and he remained in his sin and in an unrepentant state. He ended up in the hospital, and the minister visited him, and he, he told the minister in many of those visits, but I need more time. I need more time. And finally, the minister, who was exasperated, he said to the man, but you don't have much more time. And that night, that man died. And he went into eternity. And he didn't leave behind a testimony. And that's the saddest death of all. Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there ye cannot be. I would say, don't halter between two opinions. I would say, don't tarry any longer. Don't look for a, a, a more convenient time. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And don't let your friends laugh at you. Don't let them mock you. Because, as it's rightly said, your friends could laugh you into hell, but they'll never ever laugh you out of it. Here's a message to every sinful soul. Now then, do it. There's a message here to the struggling saint. You think of the context, if you look at verse 17, it says, You sought for David in times past to be king over you. And in time past refers to the former times. In the wider context, it has to do with the civil war. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. I want you to think of that. Here's the elders of Israel, and they're facing defeat after defeat. Ishbosheth is on the throne. He's Saul's son. It's a new reign. 
It's a new dawn. Saul's dead. He's long since gone. He had been such a disappointment to the land. The people had high hopes. Remember when the people called for a king? We want to be like the other nations. We want to be like the heathen. Wasn't it the Lord who told Samuel, they have not rejected you, they rejected me from being their king, that I should reign over them. And the first king, he promised days of prosperity and blessing. But now there were days of pain. Now there were days of brokenness. Saul ended up fighting against the Lord's prophet Samuel. Saul despised David and tried to kill him on many occasions. Saul disobeyed the Lord. Remember, he didn't kill Agag when he was supposed to. He didn't kill the sheep when he was supposed to. He blamed the people. Why did he blame the people? Because his heart was not right. He ended up consulting with the witch at Endor. He died in the hills of Gaboa by his own hand, through his own mouth. He was such a, a bitter disappointment. And here's a new era. Another chance to start again. Ishbosheth's son is on the throne, but it too has ended in failure. Ishbosheth is not the Lord's man, not the Lord's chosen. Think of the civil war, the strife, the turmoil, the loss, the bitterness, the brokenness. And perhaps tonight you're a child of God. And right now your life is full of brokenness, full of bitterness. Maybe you feel battered and sore by circumstances and situations. Maybe you feel hard done by. Maybe you even want to say like Jacob, all these things are against me. And tonight, if you're honest, your heart's heavy. And you're saying in your soul, I'm in a dark place. And what can you do tonight? I want to encourage you to come before your king. To cry out to him, help me. To bow broken as it were before him and let the tears flow. Are you in that face of despair and defeat right now? And your situations are dark. And strange things have arisen and circumstances at home and at work are difficult at present. Deep inside you, you're not happy. Maybe you had such high hopes. You had such great dreams, but they're now shattered. They're now broken. And what you thought would be for your well-being has turned out to be your Waterloo. And what you thought was something delightful that was going to bring you pleasure has led to disillusionment and brought you nothing but pain. I want you to think of the house of Saul. They're in the place of defeat. They're experiencing bitter disappointment, despair, loss of families, loss of friends, finances. The land is poor now. It's not prosperous because of this long, dreary war. And if you're saved here tonight, and you've trusted Christ... But your heart is broken and heavy because of circumstances and you've been hurt. And you know, let me say this, and this is wrong. Many of God's dear people have been hurt by unwise, unkind pastors. And they've been hurt by elders doing and saying things to them that have been best left unsaid. They've even been treated wrongfully and shamely by others in the house of God. And what do they do? They say, I'm hurting too. Well, this is the answer tonight. Look beyond self to another. Look outside and above to Jesus Christ, who's King of kings and Lord of lords. Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 121, which is really the traveler's psalm, so you're on a journey, and you're full of heart. 
and you're full of brokenness and you're tearful and you're wondering, is there any help for me? Well, here's the answer. Listen to what the psalmist said. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Is there not a throne of grace tonight? Not a throne of judgment. Does the Bible not say, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need? I want you to come to that throne. I I want you to recognize the one that sits there. I I want you to realize that you can cry out, help me, Lord, because he's got grace for you tonight. And he's got mercy for you. And, and you can cling to that throne. You can cling to his feet. And you can confess your brokenness and your bitterness and your hurt to him. And he'll receive you as you are. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. What did he promise? I'll give you rest. You see, there's a message here. Now then do it for the struggling saint in the context. I'll tell you something else. There's a message here to the senseless son. As I've thought of these words, I've thought of this. There's a message for every genuine backslider here. You you think of the many prodigal sons and the many prodigal daughters there are in the context of we Northern Ireland. They've grown up in a gospel home, brought along to a Bible-believing church. They've heard the good news of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But where are they now? Maybe they made a profession early in life. But where are they now in a spiritual sense? You see, Abner, at this point in his life, recognizes something wonderful, and it's this. He recognizes David as the rightful king of his life and the life of all Israel. Look at verse 17. Ye sought for David in time past to be king over you. He's directing their attention to David. And then he tells us this, for the Lord hath spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. He's not pointing to one of the elders. He's not pointing to another man. He's not pointing to Saul's son, Ishbosheth. He's not pointing to himself. He's not pointing to a stranger or a foreigner as the king. He's recognizing that there's only one rightful king. Abner came to that realization late in the day. But he did come to that realization. And that's the point. All his life he promoted a rival king. All his life he was living for a rival king. Now he realizes who the rightful king is. And he realizes I have been in rebellion to the rightful king. I have promoted and followed a rival to him. See, as I read 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 12, I believe that Abner was acting in a very honorable fashion here. He wanted to genuinely make a league with David. He wanted to enter into an agreement. Some have questioned his motivation, questioned his repentance, questioned if he was saying, I am wrong, I am sorry, I humbly ask for forgiveness. But I do believe that David was, or Abner was real and sincere and genuine. And how do I know that? Well, I'm linking up the words of verse 18. These come out of Abner's mouth. For the Lord hath spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel. See, God's word dawned on him. God's word helped to open his eyes. 
For a long time he had been helping, supporting, promoting a rival king. Not the real king. Not the rightful king. A rival king. Not the royal king. Not the redeemer king. Now he's penitent. He's seeking to put it right. Why? Because the Lord has spoken. God has opened his eyes through his word. Don't we read about the prodigal in Luke 15 and when he came to himself? In other words, the light dawned on him. The truth of where he was at and the way he was living and what he left behind and what he'd gone to came home to his heart. And he said, I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. You see, by the word of God, Abner began to think of David's character. Think of the words here, my servant. See, David was set apart from all others. David was head and shoulders above the rest. He was a young man after God's heart. Isn't that what Acts 13 verse 22 tells us? A man after God's own heart. A young man after a godly sort. A gracious, humble, um, spiritually minded young man in love with the Lord. Think of David's courage. Save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. Remember the biggest Philistine of all was uh, Goliath of Gath. Gath, of course, is located to this day in the Gaza Strip. David heard this man defy the Lord as the living and the true God. Goliath came out and challenged Israel and said, one of you will fight me. And if you win, we'll be your servants. But if I win, you'll be my servants. And he roared that for many days. And remember, young David was valiant and full of courage. And he had strength and might in his inner man because God was with him. And, and God's blessing was upon him in such a way that the presence of God was connected to the downfall and the defeat of Goliath of Gath. And David knew that. Abner knew that. This young man has courage to face the enemy. Courage that brought about victory. He didn't do it in his own strength or power. Have you the courage to say no to sin? Have you the courage to, to go to the Lord and ask him to forgive you and renew you? Think of David being chosen. God had chosen David to be Israel's anointed king. Jesse's seven sons came before Samuel and none of them were chosen. And David was sent for as the eighth son. And the Lord told Samuel, arise and anoint him because this is heaven's choice. Now I can apply this to Christ. Think of Christ's character. There's none his equal. Is he not described in the Bible as the altogether lovely one? David was not sinless. David was not perfect. David had his faults and flaws, his sins and shortcomings like I have. But the Lord Jesus is sinless. He's unrivaled. He's absolutely spotless. Which of you convince of me of sin? In other words, he's unmatchable in relation to the children of man. Think of his courage, all that he faced. David faced Goliath and was victorious. The Lord Jesus faced the devil and all of hell's hatred and onslaught. He prayed in Gethsemane, not my will but thine be done. And the grace of God was upon him in such a way that he, being the seed of the woman, bruised the serpent's head and slew the enemy by his death in the tree. 
The enemy had the power of death, the power of accusation, the power of persecution, the power of hindrance. The Lord Jesus has broken the power of the enemy. Not only his character and his courage, but think of his being chosen. Jesus Christ is God's chosen one, the anointed one, chosen prophet, priest and king, prophet to tell us and teach us the way of salvation, priest to pray for us and offer the sacrifice, king to subdue his and our enemies. Maybe tonight you're listening to me and you are a senseless son. Because even though you profess faith in Christ as a child and live for him for a time, you're now far from him. And you've got a rival to Christ in your throne of your heart. You've got a, a mindset to live for self and sin. And you're facing that rival and following him right now. Let me tell you this story. A man by the name of Robert Robinson, the one who wrote, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He was a troubled soul. He was greatly dis distressed. He was in a cold, backslidden state. To escape the trouble, he decided, you know what, I'm going to travel overseas. He decided he would go on a train journey. So he's sitting in this luxury train, and in the train there was a, a couple of ladies in the same uh, carriageway. And one of them was reading some sort of pamphlet or magazine. This lady noticed this man was down and depressed. And it was written on his face. This man was greatly troubled, wasn't happy. And the woman said to him, do you mind if I read something to you? And she read some of the verses from that lovely hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. She pressed it home. And uh, in pressing it home, then he started to cry. Robert Robinson told her, I wrote those words. And then he added this, I wish I knew the experience of them now. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And she said to him, do it now. Do it now. You see, there's a call here in these words. Do it now. Accept and embrace him as king now. There's a choice here, the rightful king or a rival king. Ishbosheth means man of shame. David is a man of submission, a man after God's own heart. There's a claim here. The rightful king makes a claim upon you and me. And here's Abner leading by example because he's saying, now then do it. There's a completeness here. All that you need, you'll find in relationship with this rightful king. There's not a problem that he can't help you solve. Not a trial and a difficulty that he can't help you to overcome and come through. Not a need that you have that he cannot meet. There's a command here. This is not optional. This is not an alternative. Do it now means do it urgently. Make the most of this opportunity. It's now or never. There's a crowning here. We could think about the people. When they heard this call, they put down their arms of rebellion. There was a turning from rebellion to receiving David as the rightful king. There was a, a trusting in him. So, so in that sense, there was a, a saving union involved. The place was Hebron, which means fellowship. David became a captain over them, 2 Samuel chapter 5, which speaks of lordship and rulership. A testimony here, all those that were rebellious, that returned in brokenness, 
and received David as the rightful king, he took them in. John 6 and 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Maybe there is a backslider listening to me now, maybe even online. You've got away from the Lord. Maybe you went to university and you came in touch with very smart people. and Sadly, they denied God and denied Christ in the Bible. And you just left the Lord out. You've followed a rival in that sense. You felt cool to be among them. You felt that you wanted to be one of the boys or one of the girls to fit in. But you knew in your heart of hearts that the lifestyle was wrong. You knew that you were leaving the Lord out deliberately. And they have done that in their life. And you've followed that rival. What's the advice? Repent. Recognize where you're at in a spiritual sense. Recognize that you've sinned against him. Come with him. Come with words. Tell the Lord you're sorry. Tell the Lord you're putting away your sin and your rebellious life. Because there's a welcome for you. That's what was happening here. There's a message to the senseless son. Can I finish in closing? There's a message here to the slothful servant. Now then do it. When do we serve the Lord? From the day we get saved to the end of our time and sojourn on this earth. What way do I serve him? Well, the only and the best way is serve under his lordship. Serve under the fact that he is the rightful king. And when you've done your best, remember this, you're still only an unprofitable servant. Luke 17 and 10. When we've done our duty, we're still only an unprofitable servant. C.T. Studd said this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. He added this, If he's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. How many are holding back from serving Christ? How many are holding back even from speaking about the Savior? Remember Romans, in Romans 10 and verse 9 and 10, we read this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation what are you doing now for the Lord are you serving him how are you doing it what way are you doing it what are you doing what can you do well you could pray and seek the Lord you could ask him for advice you could ask him for his leading his counsel and of course we believe in the scripture that says trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not in thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct Thy pass. As I thought of these words, now then do it. That fourfold message came. A message to the sinful soul who's not saved. Now then do it. A message to the struggling saint. Now then do it. Don't struggle any longer. Go to the, the king on the throne and ask for help. He has grace and mercy for you. The senseless son who's in a backslidden cold state, what's he to do? He has to return. He has to repent. He has to receive him. What about the slothful servant? This is the only way you can serve him. Under his lordship. Because Christ is Lord of all. Now then do it. I leave this message with you. And I pray the Holy Spirit will apply his word 
in this very rounded way that I've shared with you this evening.